Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Empty Set Entertainment presents Slay, created by Scott Sigler. This story is intended for mature audiences only. Listener discretion is advised. Hello, junkies. I've been under the weather for the past few days with COVID and RSV and variants, including a variant named the Kraken. Oh, yeah. I forgot how much a bad cold could put a brother on his keister. Been a lot of coughing, little sleep but I hope I am almost out of the woods. I managed to get this episode edited and up, and for that, I'm going to give myself a bit of an attaboy. Hooah! Let me get you caught up on the story so far, then we're all going to go curl up on the couch in a warm blanket and watch the NFL playoffs. Previously on Slay. The man in gray crashed Dante Ogunov's drug deal party, killing Dante's men and delivering a message from Kalista that Dante was to get out of the city and stay out forever. Kalista then demanded that the man in gray visit her immediately. Now, for the first time, we get to see the real person behind the roiling black cowl. Get ready to meet Lincoln Franks. Lincoln glanced at his mirror one more time to make sure he wasn't being followed. He wasn't. He turned right, guiding his Verge TS into an alley. The electric motorcycle's tires rolling along the damp pavement made more noise than the engine did. He had traded his gray for blue jeans and a red and black flannel shirt. In his business, work clothes tended to get messy. He always kept at least one normal outfit in his bike's hard box where his hollow shroud and armor were now locked up tight. The hollow cloak held his real weapons, but he wasn't unarmed. Luger LCRX-38 Special in a back holster, Damascus Seal Karambit knife in a front sheath, hidden inside his jeans, warded shield wand in his right sock, a vial of holy water in his left. The holy water almost never worked, but in a pinch against certain assholes, it could have an impact. At Alley's end, Two men dressed in suits and sunglasses stood in front of a rusted metal door. Big guys, typical for simple muscle work. Lincoln slid off his ride. He unstrapped the briefcase from the seat and walked toward the door. One man stepped aside. The other stayed where he was, held up a hand. Hold on, pal, the man said. I gotta frisk you. No, you don't, Lincoln said. The other guard, the one who was smart enough to get the fuck out of the way, gently pulled Frisky aside. Uh, Sorry about that, Mr. Franks. He's new. Lincoln knocked. Behind rusty doors, a narrow view panel swung inward. A pair of reddish tan eyes stared out, not with the round pupils of a man, but rather the horizontal slits of a goat. 
How may I help you, sir? That voice. So cultured, so buttery. I'm here to see Callista, Lincoln said. Who, may I ask, is calling upon her? For shit's sake, Gary, come on! The eyes narrowed. Do you mind if I do my damn job the way I'm supposed to do it? So it was going to be one of those nights, was it? Lincoln spoke with the over-the-top accent of an old-money East Coaster. My good man, I, Lincoln Franks, have come to sip tea with her ladyship Callista on this finest of winter evenings. Might I come in and rest my weary feet? I've been walking through my estates all the day long, and I am positively exhausted. The view panel slammed shut. Lincoln heard a sizzling sound, like a sparkler, if sparklers were as thick as a man's arm. The door swung inward. Gary stood there, dressed in proper butler attire. From the waist up, anyway, he wore no pants over his white-furred goat legs. From the dimly lit hallway behind the satyr, Lincoln heard the unska unska beat of house music thumping away. He stepped inside. Gary shut the door, then touched two magic symbols embedded in it. That sizzling sound came again as periwinkle blue energy flared. Answering the door is kind of a big deal for me, Gary said. Do you always have to be a prick about it? Kiss my ass, Gary. Where is she? Gary tilted his horned head down the hall toward the music. She's having a party. When is she not having a party? Oh, tell me about it, Gary said. I cleaned up so much vomit after one of these things, you'd think I worked the tilt-a-whirl at a county fair. You'd make a good carny. I hear the freak show is hiring. That's just mean, Lincoln. Follow me. The place was an old factory, probably, from back in the days when people in this city actually made things with their hands. The dark, sprawling space pulsed with flashing lights and the spinning beams of color cast off by mirror balls. Almost naked dancers with perfect bodies writhed and ground against each other. Multi-hued strobe light pulses reflected off sweaty skin, some of it human, some of it not. The writhing revelers parted for Gary, Lincoln walked in his wake. Lincoln saw lust-filled eyes tracking him, the smoldering, half-lidded stairs silently promising him anything he desired. That song. A dance remix of Frosty the Snowman? Sacrilege. A woman in a miniskirt and thigh-high black boots with four-inch pumps slid out of the crowd. She was topless, save for the four or five necklaces dangling between her breasts. Black wings unfurled, fluttered once, then folded again, out of sight, behind her back. Hey, Link. She gripped his arm, slid her hand up to his shoulder. When are we going to rock again like we did last time? How drunk had he been when he'd hooked up with her? Drunker than he was now? Maybe. Not now, Maylene, Lincoln said. I'm working. Then when? I'll call you. Lincoln pulled free of her, followed Gary deeper into the club. That's what you said last time, Maylene called after him. He ignored her. Drunk or not, the sex had been lights out. But a second dalliance increased the chances that Magda would catch wind. And she would never let him hear the end of it. Gary led him to a golden throne set on a circular, three-step riser done in button-back red leather. The rivets were solid gold for all Lincoln knew. Flawless, 
how do young men and women luxuriated on the steps, drinking from chalices, feeding each other delicate foods from delicate trays. It looked like an Abercrombie and Fitch catalog soaked in champagne and brought to life. Sitting on that throne, Callista. Lincoln knew her visage was masked in magic, but his dick didn't care. Christ, was she hot. The chainmail bikini top and long red skirt were something out of an old-school metalhead's wet dream. Behind her, as always, stood the Minotaur. The dude probably made a hobby out of doing push-ups. He had the biggest tits in the whole joint. His hands rested on the head of a golden axe, the shaft of which was hidden behind Callista's throne. Sup, Bobby, Lincoln said. The big bullhead gave a nod. Sup, Link. Callista's lush mouth snarled. You greet my bodyguard before you greet me, Lincoln? Sure, Lincoln said, because I actually respect him. The Minotaur's nostrils flared in a wet snort of laughter. Robert, don't encourage him. Callista's fuckfire eyes narrowed. Lincoln, you'd think a man in your position would show me more deference. He'd like to show her something all right, like her own still-beating heart. I do the jobs you ask me to do, he said. What else matters? Callista tilted her head in agreement. Fair enough. In the climate-ravaged world of 2072, the city of Pura stands as a miraculous green haven. Pura is a geoengineered paradise that protects its fortunate residents from the global catastrophes of heat domes, fires, floods, and droughts. In a time when the world outside is unsafe, it's vital for Pura's existence that people rally behind the purpose of the city, and Demetria Lopez, head of the city's public relations, tirelessly promotes its idyllic image. But when she stumbles on a dark secret that, if exposed, would be the downfall of Pura's existence, she must decide who and what she's willing to protect. From Wondery, the makers of Academy and Dr. Death, The Last City stars actors Ray Seahorn, Jeannie Tirado, and Maury Sterling. Follow The Last City on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can binge all episodes of The Last City early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery+. Plus. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Martha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts. Mercutio, be a dear and put that briefcase away. A barely dressed boy rose from the steps and took the briefcase. He disappeared into the crowd. Is it all there, Lincoln? Kalista looked at her red nails. You didn't skim a bit. To make the mortgage. Don't insult me. I wouldn't dream of it. Do you think Dante will obey? Nope, Lincoln said. He'll be back. 
Kalista frowned. If you didn't think he'd listen, why is he still alive? If you wanted me to kill him, why didn't you say, kill him? Her face creased with anger. And in that moment, Lincoln thought he saw through her magic makeup to the creature beneath. But like always, it wasn't a long enough look for him to make out what that creature actually was. Aside from Dante, you killed everyone there? Almost everyone, anyway. That kid hadn't smelled of wickedness. Of piss, sure, but not of wickedness. Absolutely, Lincoln said. Good. I have another job for you. You will kill a lawyer for me. You did just hear me use the word kill, did you not? He had become her personal executioner. Not that he was a stranger to killing monsters and those of monster descent, of course, but the gig worked better when he got to pick the targets, when he got to set the prices. Kalista leaned forward. I said, did you hear? I heard you, Lincoln said. What did this lawyer do? Things, Lincoln. Naughty things. The way she said naughty made his cock twitch, which made him want to punch himself in the nads to teach the one-eyed traitor a lesson in loyalty. You know my rule, Lincoln said. Kalista chuckled. Oh, no innocence? That's right. That word, innocence, and the morals that define it, it's open to interpretation, wouldn't you agree? Look, Kalista, I fucking told you that orange flame curled from the corners of her eyes. The sweaty Abercrombie and Fitch models froze in terror. Two of them in mid-fuck. These kids feared Kalista's temper. You signed a contract, Lincoln Franks. Kalista stood, stared down at him, the fire in her eyes almost the same color as her long, curly hair. And you will obey. He had pushed her as far as he dared. And to what purpose? She had him over a barrel. I'm sorry, Lincoln said. Dante, put me in a bad mood. I apologize for taking that out on you. A double blink, and the flames vanished as if snuffed out by her long black lashes. That's better, she said. So, when do I kill this lawyer? Tomorrow night, Kalisa said. Although, since it's four in the morning, I guess you could say tonight. Lincoln shook his head. I just did a job for you. You can't back-to-back me like this. Too bad. I need it done now. Well, I needed her dead two days ago. Her? Kalista smiled. What's the matter, Lincoln? She sat back down in the throne, crossed her legs. Colored spots of mirrorball light played along her smooth skin. Are you surprised that a delicate flower of femininity could handle the rigors of law school? For fuck's sake, was she going to turn this into a sexism thing? I'm just surprised, that's all, he said. You usually have me kill dudes. Because men are usually the ones dumb enough to cross me. Those who identify as female tend to be smarter. This lawyer, though, not so much. Sad. Once upon a time, Lincoln had dedicated his life to wiping out people like Kalista. Now, though, he was a limp-dicked shell of himself, and there wasn't a thing he could do about it. 
Let me see him, Lincoln said. Kalista glanced upward, eyes narrowed in thought, milking the paws, making Lincoln's chest swirl with hate. Hmm, I'll allow it, she said. Kalista raised one hand, palm up. A sphere of energy appeared. In it, a 12-year-old boy was sitting on the floor, playing with toys, a wrinkled old naga at his side, curled up on her long, thick snake tail. The boy seemed happy. He wasn't scared of the monster. Truth be told, Samuel Franks had been there so long, he probably didn't think of her as a monster at all. Little Sam, Lincoln's only child. Callista flicked her fingers. The sphere vanished. Do good work, Lincoln, she said. I'll send you the information on the target. He was dismissed. He turned from her throne, vaguely aware of his slouched posture. One foot in front of the other, he followed Gary Sater off the dance floor. Lincoln wanted to go home, get obliterated on gobbers, then sleep. But he couldn't. Not yet. Visiting hours, the special visiting hours he paid extra for, started soon. Moments later, Lincoln Franks sped away, his quiet bike carrying him through the nighttime streets. Clothes weren't the only thing Lincoln kept in the bike's hard box. One never knew when one might need a snort, in which case, a flask of whiskey came in handy. Lincoln took a long pull. He'd already drank too much and could barely taste it. Based on how little he'd paid for the rot gut, maybe that was a blessing in disguise. He slid the flask into his back pocket and walked through the front doors of Sunset House. Even from the parking lot, the place smelled of medicine, hopelessness, and lost souls. Once through the doors, those smells grew stronger, almost overpowering. Add in some goddamn Christmas songs playing from the tinny PA speakers, and Here Comes Santa Claus sounded like the Grim Reaper's walk-up music. Mr. Franks, how nice to see you. Lloyd was behind the reception desk. At least something was going right on this turd burger of a day. Hey there, Lloyd. Lincoln pulled the envelope out of his pocket, slid it across the desktop. Thanks for opening early. Lloyd wasn't a day over 30. He looked like the kind of guy who'd never been in a fight. He took the unsealed envelope, leaned back in his chair, ran a thumb across the money inside. Each of Dante's bills made a faint snap sound in time. Very nice, Mr. Franks. You want to see him? It wasn't a rhetorical question. Sometimes Lincoln just dropped off cash and didn't go in. Sometimes he could only handle so much. Yeah, he said. I know the way. Lloyd checked his watch. 30 minutes until normal visiting hours begin. Lincoln headed to his father's room. He funneled Lloyd money under the table. Lloyd somehow made everything work. Lincoln's father had a private room, decent meals, and when he started to babble incoherently to other residents about what a badass he'd once been, Lloyd made sure the wrinkled old man returned to said private room. Jacoby Frank sat slumped in his wheelchair, a blanket over his legs, a bit of drool hanging from his lower lip. Baroque music played from a small MP3 player. English Suite Number 3 in G minor. Lincoln knew the song by heart. Back in the day, Jacoby played it on vinyl, just one of his thousands of old records. A single room, 
a twin bed, a private bath. The man had done so much, suffered so much, and this was all he had to show for it, because monster hunters weren't supposed to grow old. Hey, ya pops. Jacoby lifted his head, blinked in confusion. Once upon a time, his silver hair had been so thick it looked like it would slice your hand if you brushed it the wrong way. Now, the hair was far thinner, far finer, far limper. Well, look what the cat dragged in, he said. You gonna give your old man a snort? A snort of what? My legs don't work, but my nose does, Jacoby said. Give me a drink. With your acid reflux? Nope. Asshole. Gnarled, bony hands gripped the wheels. Jacoby rolled himself to the nightstand. He opened the drawer and pulled out a pint of Jack Daniels. Guess I'll have to settle for this. If you're going to kill yourself, Pops, there's better ways to do it. Jacoby laughed. You're going to lecture me about drinking? I made it to 80. We both know you won't. Lincoln thought about taking the pint away, then maybe shoving it up Lloyd's ass with a warning that if Jacoby got booze in the room again, the next time, Lincoln would shove a fifth up there, but he just didn't have the energy to argue with his father. They treating you okay here, Pops? Oh, blow it out your ass with the fake concern. Enough with this bullshit. You rescue my grandson yet? No, because Lincoln Franks wasn't worth a squirt of piss. He's still on the shelf. We're Khalees to put him. The spit-smeared lip curled. If I was half the man I used to be, which was twice the man you'll ever be, if I wasn't in this wheelchair, I'd be doing what you should be doing. I would go get him. Pop said that, or something close to it, every time Lincoln came to see him. You make it sound so easy, Lincoln said. How can you let your son rot away in that place? He's not rotting, Lincoln said. He's looked after. He's... Don't you dare tell me he's fine, you worthless excuse for a father. If Amanda were still alive, you think she'd let you sit on your fat ass? Old man or not, father or not, grandfather or not, there were limits to what Lincoln could absorb. You don't get to talk about her, Pops. Eh, Jacoby waved a hand in dismissal. You're a failure, Lincoln. You failed Amanda. You failed your son. You failed the bastion. Why can't you be more like your brother and sister? Those two. Of course. Dad thought they were spotless and clean. Well, they pretty much were, although his older sister had let enough blood to fill a swimming pool. Sophia and Lucas, huh, Pops? The ones who don't kick in a single penny for your care? Because they do the real work! Jacoby pounded on the wheelchair's arm. You... You're a common thug. You work for the people you're supposed to kill. Look at what you've become. You make me sick. Another visit, another battery of insults, another round of being a disappointment. Not even four hours earlier, Lincoln had taken eight lives. Only one of those had been a Vader. The rest had been humans. The very race Lincoln had once been sworn to protect. He pulled the flask from his back pocket, raised it in salute. Merry Christmas, Dad. With that, Lincoln walked out, draining the flask as he did, ignoring the raspy voice of his father shouting, Don't you walk away from me, you little prick. Don't you know who I am? Lincoln did know. 
Jacoby Franks was the greatest monster hunter that had ever lived and an absolutely horrible parent. Like father, like son, Lincoln killed the flask. When he lowered it, he saw a man and a woman walking his way. Shit, he said. Lucas glared, but Sophia smiled wide. Hey, little brother, she said. Long time, no see. You have been listening to Slay, created and read by Scott Sigler. Copyright 2023, Empty Set Entertainment. For more information on the author and more books, visit scottsigler.com. Theme music is the song They're Watching Me by the band Superweapon. Greetings, adventurers. Today we're excited to introduce you to a new story, Dark Dice, a horror podcast that blurs the line between actual play and audio drama, where the story is determined by the roll of the dice. Six adventurers embark on a journey into the ruinous domain of the Nameless God. They will never be the same again. One of the players is not what they seem after a doppelganger, a creature that can assume the form and voice of whatever it kills, infiltrates the team. As the players are picked off and replaced one at a time, can they figure out who the monster is before it's too late? Can you? Here's a quick example of what our show sounds like. The, uh, shambler with the jar of liquid inside of him. Soren Arkwright let loose an arrow that cracked the glass, passing through the spine of the creature. The shambler still managed to maintain its forward momentum, but stumbled as it eagerly tried to bite and swipe at Soren, landing near his feet. As Jeff Goldblum has now joined our cast, Dark Dice is available however you listen to podcasts.